splash, splash, splash. Apply a little splash. When your windshield's getting dirty, just apply a little splash. When your windshield's full of grime, bugs, dirt, and snow, just use a little splash and be safe on the road. Splash, splash, splash. Apply a little splash. When your windshield's getting dirty, just apply a little splash. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. Hi, this is Randy Backward from the Guess Who and BTO, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, conversation, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. So now, I give you Miss Pamela and her pajama party. Hello, dolls. You are listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party. And with my guest today, man, I wish I was in pajamas with him. This guy, Luke Spiller from The Struts, my favorite, favorite young rock band. He reminds me so much of the, the greatest days in rock and roll. He's the real thing. Not to mention he's incredibly hot and sexy and has a voice, a range like you would not believe. Anyway, we are talking to him today. Uh, from L.A. to the U.K., actually, <clears throat> Santa Clarita to Devon. And I'm very excited to be speaking to Luke for a solid hour. It's, I'm beside myself, actually. He, he is so thrilling to me. This band, The Struts, this is their third album they're promoting right now. And it is so good. It's called Strange Days. You know, I didn't ask him about why they called it that. Maybe it's because <clears throat> the days are so strange right now, but it's also the title of a Doors album uh, from 1967, or a Doors song, anyway. But anyway, it is very strange days, and I'm really glad to be working for Pantheon Podcasts. We now have over 50 music-based podcasts on there, and it's such a thrill. And I just want to invite you to settle in and enjoy Luke. Spiller. <laughs> Your eyes follow like a spotlight. Two eyes like the sun. Go ahead, keep your distance from me. Soon you're gonna come. When you flick your head off, you don't care. And you're asking where I'm from. That game that you're running, baby, you've already won. I need to know, know, know what do you need, need, need? What do you like, like, like? Cause I'm gonna be it tonight. You can be cool, you can be shy. Say what you want, say what you like. You know, you know that you're my favorite, right? Oh, yes. You know this. I talk about you guys all the time. I talk about you specifically because I think you are the best front man, rock and roll front man I've seen in 20 or 20, 30 years. 
Thank you very much. That means a lot. But it's so true. It's so true. I'm so excited about your band and you. I think it's, you know, I haven't been excited about rock and roll, real rock and roll, for decades, it seems like. So anyway, I'm going to kiss your ass a little bit because it's fun. It likes a good kissing. <laughs> so you're back in the UK. Where I are am, you exactly? Yeah. I'm my exact location. Um, for uh, for safety reasons, will remain. Um, oh no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't want your address. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I am in uh, a place called Devon. Okay. In the southwest, in the southwest of uh, United Kingdom, surrounded by uh, a lot of countryside. And that's where you're from, isn't it? I'm actually from Bristol, about an hour's oh. north from here. Oh, but okay, okay. My, uh, my folks moved down quite a few years ago. And uh, so since um, I have uh, nowhere to go, I'm, uh, I'm back, at, back at the parents, which is, well, which is always I know a lot of a lot of people have done that, you know. It's especially, you know, you you guys are used to being on the road, like like almost nonstop. Or in Hollywood, yeah. you were like a Hollywood team of boys, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you miss do you miss Hollywood? I do, I do. I uh I well basically when we had the opportunity after this record was done to come over to the UK and play a, uh, a show which was going to be broadcasted on, on TV, it was too big of a opportunity for us to miss. And in doing so, it meant that we, we basically can't go back until the US Embassy opens back up and can stamp our visas once again. But right. to oh. have exiled back in our own country, which isn't exactly exiled, but yeah, because I know what you mean. We're so American based, it's kind of um funny being back. But it's also great because we've had the biggest um attention on radio here than we've ever had. So it's kind of nice being here while it's all kind of unfolding and We've just found out today that our album debuted debuted at number <laughs> eleven. Wow! In the UK, in the UK. that's really yeah, great good. for you guys. Wow, that must make you feel so happy. It's good. It's good. It's not ten, but what will it be eleven? <laughs> it will be. That's it will right. be. Now, did you do you think it it helped the Robbie Williams and helped that oh, to happen? Yeah. Your, your guest stars. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie was very integral to us sort of gaining a lot of this newfound interest in the band for sure. I mean, but just to put the record straight, it wasn't that much of um, sort of like a, I don't want to say kind of like musical prostitution, but <laughs> or selling out or anything like that. It wasn't that strategic. I mean, like all of the features, they were very natural, either friends that had become friends fairly recently or people that we'd known for quite a while. And we just simply kind of reached out. So it wasn't like, I'm going to walk to Robbie Williams's house, knock on his door, wait till he becomes my friend, and then we can finally have UK radio. It wasn't no, like that. I'm sure it wasn't. 
I was going to yeah. ask how how natural was it? I mean, were you guys friends already? It was very strange. Strange has just been the word of of the year, and and that's for sure. The circumstances in which we kind of got in touch was even more bizarre. I, I was doing like a a home radio show when lockdown first came to LA, just to kind of keep in touch with the fans. Mm. And Rob reached out via Instagram and literally just said, can I call you? <laughs> and um, I was like, uh, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> like, this is so weird and random. Turns out that we had a mutual friend that I had met and uh, the mutual friend told him um, or he found out. And yeah, we just, we just ended up chatting for like two hours about everything. And then we kind of stayed in touch. Then the, the dates were booked for us to go and do these sessions, these 10 days. And I did say to him before, I said, you know, if, 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 uh, if anything comes that could suit you, would you be interested? And he said, yeah, of course. So it just kind of happened like that. That is so cool. The video is really great. And I assume you weren't even actually together in the video, even though it really looks like you were. were you no, we were. Yeah, the, the, the sections with me and oh. Robbie. That, so the video was shot two days, really. So the first day was, it was crazy. We, it, was, it was this close that it wasn't going to happen. Um, but Robbie ended up being extremely gracious with his time. And we ended up doing the shots with me and Robbie pretty much on his tennis court, sort of oh, like keep distance. Really? So he lives in LA too? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's got oh. a place there. Huh? And he was, the next day he was flying to Europe to kind mm. of like get away from COVID. So we almost missed him. But yeah, like I said, he was really gracious and we ended up doing that. And then the second day was all the stuff in the desert and walking along um, mm. Hollywood Boulevard and uh, yeah. all this stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was great. Where'd you, where'd you go in the desert? Was it Joshua Tree? Did you go that far? It was close to it, yeah. It wasn't yeah. quite Joshua Tree, but it had all the Joshua Trees around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it I was this... Joshua uh, Tree. It's great. It's great. It's just... It was so hot. So, yeah. so hot. <laughs> Too fucking hot. I, there's shots of me on the road, like, dancing. Yes. And like my boots were melting to my feet. Well, I you had, had to... those skin tied trousers too. Oh my God. Yeah. It looked I like they were melted on you anyway. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. I could have fried an egg, I could have fried an egg on my leg. <laughs> oh, well, it sure came out great. Thank you. So in this lockdown, have, have you found a way to keep, besides making the record, of course, a way to, to keep creative? <clears throat> are you making, are you still painting guitars? And I am actually, usual? yeah. I'm, I'm working on my uh, first kind of small exhibition, Ooh. which hopefully should be for Art Basel in Miami, which should be fun. Miami, how, how did that happen? Well, it all it, it all stems to classic cars. So I I bought a 1974 SL450 Mercedes-Benz from a friend who owns a vintage car and guitar shop uh, or showroom in Miami. 
And me and him have been friends for a while. And he sorted me out this car, which got um, delivered to LA like a couple of months ago. And yeah, I mean, he, he kind of has like little photography exhibitions in the showroom. It's a beautiful showroom. It's called Walt Grace. And we, we literally had the same idea. I called him up and I was like, man, I just wanted to just, you know, just sort of like get into your head a bit. Cause I've been thinking about these guitars and he was like, we should do some sort of exhibition. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. He was like, of course. <laughs> So Gibson have been really kind and they've given me like a bunch of guitars and um, so I'm I'm currently on, I've just finished number four, so i got to pull my socks up a bit and get them done before um, December. <laughs> They're so beautiful. For, for our listeners out there, Luke paints guitars. He hand paints these and these beautiful designs all over them. In, in the Please Kill Me column, I, I posted a couple of them. They're just Thank gorgeous. You. Do you happen to have one handy there? I do. I've got them all behind me. This is oh, I want to see it. I want to show Jerry. <laughs> uh, so I haven't set them back up. Oh, this one's isn't that just beautiful? Wow. I wish you guys could see this. Stunning. Um, and then I got another one. Well, I've got a bunch, but like, this is a more typical one. Mm, so lovely. So how many are you going to prepare for the exhibit as many as i can do really i've got uh another for one two three four five i think i've got about eight in total right here um so I got, i'm gonna do another four and then it really depends i like to get a good round number like 10 yeah um <laughs> it would look great you know like, <laughs> sure would wow are they going to be for sale Bloody hope so. I put so much time okay. and effort in. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, they're just to view. You might want to keep them okay. all. So I think a few of them we're going to do for charity and I'm going to pocket the rest. Like good, a, good. Like a starving artist I am. Oh, gosh, you guys have been at it for like nine years, right? Uh, band? Yeah, a bit, the band. a bit longer than that. Yeah, yeah. Me, and Ad, me and Ads have been working with each other for almost 11 years now. So wow, I just love the stick to you know? I know, it, yeah. <laughs> it, you have to do that. You just, and, and you, you've really stuck it out and it's now paying off and you're still young. Still feeling it. Yeah. Still looking it. <laughs> yes, you still, definitely still looking it. <laughs> I'm definitely, people do ask me my secret and it's, it's not blood or, um, 15 hours sleep or oxygen chambers. And what is it? Just you have that great skin, right? That British I skin. Know. I've just been, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I don't know. I say that, touch wood. I might turn 35 and then everything just like starts to wrinkle up. <laughs> not, you know, not these days. Do you take vitamins? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Are your health nut at all? Do you? Well, I'm vegan, so I don't have oh, any. Right, right. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's probably a lot of the secret, too. Maybe it's a clean, clean. It's, it's funny, like the, the you know, um, you know, all these sort of apps and devices and social media. It kind of does things like time hop and and everything. It, yeah, I mean, we they're always pulling photos up from like six years ago or seven years ago, and 
the the other guys in the group have you know they've really changed they've evolved like the hair's got longer more facial hair and they've just kind of you know any weight out. differences <laughs> they bulked out ever so slightly i don't use the word bulk out bulked uh, out okay but like i literally look the same it's it's yeah. bizarre I literally haven't changed at all. And they're like, why haven't you changed? We don't understand it. So, you, you know, you have that beautiful skin. You really do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I got to see it in person. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a, an unusual thing for you guys. For the, the first two records didn't take 10 days. How did you wind up doing a record in 10 days? And how did it come about? And did you well, plan on 10 days? It was, we planned on 10 days, but an album we did not. So the way in which the struts have normally worked would be maybe we would work on a song throughout two, three, even four days. So going into those 10, we thought we'd be lucky if we came out with four. And that was the original plan. We were going to just try and strive for like a good, strong EP. Right. Um, But I think under the circumstances and knowing that we were going to be recording in a way that we wanted to do for so long, which was one studio, one producer, no one getting their nose involved and just kind of us, we, we, we had to stay and sleep in this residential studio, which was an adventure in itself. And I think the combination of that excitement and enthusiasm along with the two weeks leading up before I was just working every day, prepping and writing a whole bunch of lyrics and titles. I just had stacks of it. And Adam was working on a lot of guitar ideas and we were all working on some ideas, but there was a lot of prep going into it, but we weren't meeting up saying like, Oh, what have you got? What have you got? Yeah. I kind of kept everything really close to my chest. And then, uh, yeah, day one, sorted out all the sounds, drums sounded brilliant. And we knocked out two songs on the first day, I think. And then Which we were two? like, Ooh. it was all dressed up and huh. uh, I hate how much I want you were the first two. Cool. And then it just went on from there and we were like, bang. And then we were doing two a day and then another two a day. Then we had the day off and got drunk. Then we did three <laughs> the day after that. And then another two, and, and that was it. We did, Sham- Am I Talking to the Champagne or Talking to You was the last song that we did. And, and it took the most time. It didn't come, it didn't fall out of the air like the mm. other ones. That needed two days work to kind of get it finished. <laughs> but after that, we were like, okay, it's done. We've, we've finished. That must've been so thrilling. It was. It, I, honestly, I, I've, I haven't really talked about it too much, but it was like on the third day when we had about six songs and maybe five ideas, no, about six songs and like another one in the bag, like another idea. And I was just listening to what we had done on the voice memos on my phone and it was, it was very surreal. It was, I, I, I honestly felt like I was in a dream and that mm. we were I was going to wake up. It was almost too good to be true. Not only was it fun, not only was it spontaneous and something that we've always wanted to do, but I, I think we all unanimously, unanimously agreed that the quality of the music was 
was also something to be equally as proud of. It was like, forget the fact that we did it in 10 days. Like, yeah, just like I, the old I, I, But I'd give anyone, I mean, I think even some of the greatest groups or artists, like, you know, you give them 10 days, see, what, see if they can produce an album like this. It was like, we should be really proud. It's like a massive achievement. I agree. Poor old Axl Rose. Well, how many years did it take him to do that last record? <laughs> Three oh years. God. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's unnecessary. You have yeah, proven that that's unnecessary. I'm pretty spontaneous. If, if something takes more than a year, then you should probably put it down and start. <laughs> something so did you have all those lyrics written or did you write some in the house? You know, I mean, you were doing it. The way it worked was, yeah, it was kind of like 80% of them were there, 20% were, them, were done like on the spot. But like anything, it was a case of like shoehorning stuff that I had and tweaking it to kind of yeah. make it with the syllables. But for the most part, I mean, I think that's why it was so prolific. It was like, where's the music? Here's the music. And I'd be like, okay, let me have a read. Okay, what about this? And bang, it would just come together so quick well also you you guys are so connected after all this time you that's can, true as well you can read each other probably and and there's not a whole lot of talking that has to be done it's probably very natural and f easy and flowy right yeah i mean you can definitely hear in the music and even in the musicality that what was captured was a result of um the band being on the road for so long yeah and and having that musical connection so it, it did be you know we all knew what we liked we all knew what we didn't like and when we were in the flow it was like well know, that's we, that magic you were talking about a little while ago yeah it's, it must be it must no, feel stop. like you're high or something like on some oh real yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna ask if you were high but Aha! <laughs> <laughs> oh well we should play one of those songs we get to play a few so which yeah. one would you like to start with um I, let, let's start let's start with the first track let's do all dressed up with nowhere to go well that is so that's how i have felt from all these months right you probably yeah. have too, because you like to dress up. That's such an important part of rock and roll for me. When I first saw you guys all dressed up, I said, this is the band for me, man. It's like <laughs> the, the Who and the Kinks. And right, they used to really deck out. It was so cool. And then Kurt Cobain came along and everybody wanted to wear flannel and jeans. So I was so thrilled. So yes, it, it, the frustration in that song, you know, reminds me of me trying to get dolled up and you can't get there's nowhere to go so i totally get it so let's play that one
some people on on my podcast bring their guitar. I'll have to charge if I did that. Unfortunately, <laughs> my, William oh. Morris, William Morris would be on the phone like that. Where's our twenty percent? Are you with William Morris? Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, huh. Wait, are you still acting? Or do you want to act? William Morris do um everything. I know they do music too, but I'd they... love to at some point. I'd love to. It'd be great. I do, you know, I it was drama and things, that was really one of my first passions. And I loved devising scenes and plays and and uh, it's something that's still very much in me with like kind of storytelling in a way. With yeah. The but, yep. but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I think I was kind of really good at. And then music just kind of completely took over. But at, I'd at, like to... at what age did, did music kind of take over that uh, dream? Yeah, around about 18. Yeah. 18. Hmm. I, but I still studied drama when I was in college, which was after kind of elementary school, if you will, um, and dance and stuff. But I just didn't take it seriously. I just, I mean, I was just always, my, by the time I was studying performing arts, it was like, all I wanted to do was just get back to Bristol and get with the school band and, and, and carry on playing and trying to make it big, you know? School band. What do you mean school band? Well, that's the only other band I've ever been in. So from the age of 15, I was with uh, a band with, the, with my group of mates at school. Oh. And that, that was really my first taste in performing live and writing. And the song, Where Did She Go? Actually, we used to play that song because I, I wrote that when I was about 16. Oh, cool. Bass player in that band. So it's really funny how that song has just managed to survive all these years and still in our set. I've been singing it since I was 16. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, but going back to the acting, you know, I, I want you to play somebody in my show. I'm with the band. Okay. Who would you like to play? Who would you, who would you want me to play? Well, there's Jimmy Page and Keith Moon. Mm. Those are a couple of the main. Noel Redding from mm -hmm. the Jimi Hendrix Experience. <laughs> I could do Keith Moon. He was. He looked like Keith Moon. Right? I think you could do Keith Moon. I really do. He had Maybe. some pretty amazing eyes, like you do. Mm. Ooh, you're flattering me now. Oh yes. Well, I will continue to do so. Um, there's a line in in one of your songs in this album. I, I haven't got all the titles all down yet. About where you talk about looking into your pretty eyes. Oh, uh, look into these pretty eyes and yes. tell me you're broken. Yes. I love the way, you know, you, you're a combination of self-deprecation and pompous being, but you know, it's the most fantastic combination. And I know I it's done with a sense of humor, the pomposity, but it really works. Oh, I never like, know. Well, thank you. Well, you're like prima donna you know, is, is, is a perfect example of that, what I'm describing about you. Yes, true, true. But, you know, while you're talking about your heart being broken and someone stomping on you, you're still talking about how pretty your eyes are. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, true, true. I mean, it's weird because I had the vision of like holding a face up against the mirror and saying, look into these pretty eyes. Oh, uh, okay. 
Hmm. Well, I, you know, I but, saw the, I saw some girl gazing into him, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this is that way my head works. I, I, I tend to go really visual in my head and then write something down and then, and it makes perfect sense to me. And then other people get completely different things. From yeah. Me. Well, that's really good writing. Yeah. When you allow the listener, the reader to have their own version of it. Yeah. You know, it's really wonderful. What was the first song you and Ads wrote together? Mm. Uh, well, Adam actually just glued two of my songs together. That was <laughs> that was what happened. I remember. Um, oh, I don't know if this is the first one. We might have had a couple of others before, but I remember the most. One of the most notable ones was a track. Was a song. It was just a silly ditty. It was called Maggie. And then I, I had like a, um, oh, it was really silly. It was just, it was a chord. It was, I had two ideas, which I thought were choruses. And then he was like, no, 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 this is the verse and that's the chorus. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that works. And then we kind of worked on it a bit and then arranged it and then did a sort of like a bridge. Um, and then we used to sort of go down to the pub and play it. Um, which was really funny because it was, it was Adam's local pub and he used to sing there all the time. And then he took me down and uh, we, I started singing there as well. And I would also play with Adam's cousin's band. And the landlord said to me, he was like, if you come in here and sing like that, I'll give you, I'll give you 30 quid every time you come down. And Adam was like, 30 quid, I come here every <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> well, you do have one of the best voices in rock and roll, that's for sure. Thank you. Thank well, you. Please. Everybody knows this. I wanted to mention that my CEO of Pantheon Podcast is a massive fan of yours. He and oh. his wife, Amy. Yeah. And they, in fact, the, you're the last band they saw. And they saw you six times in like a year and a half or something. And, and he wow. was so thrilled I was going to be talking to you today. He gave me a million questions. I hope I can get to some of them. It's fine. We don't exactly have a million minutes, but we can. No, we don't have a million minutes, but I just wanted to mention that because he's a huge fan. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, you know, your fans actually, you know, being to your shows like I have, are, are obsessed. They are. They are. They're rare. They're rare God, breed. They get it so hard, you know. It's not the, just typical fan. They're just like, ah! It was yeah, the fun stuff. being in the middle of it. It's funny. I, I think I think some of our diehard fans like genuinely intimidate newcomers at times. Oh, like we, they probably you know, do because they will take up the first four rows of people. Oh, yeah. the show, and like people try and kind of get close, <laughs> and then our our diehard fans are like looking back at them at the rail, like rah, you know, like get yes. away. You yes, know, you hard, notice it, huh? You know, like, belong to us. While you're performing, you can see all those machinations going on down there? Oh, yeah, yeah. For the most part, like about, yeah. I, even the sort of 2,500 seaters, I, I can always recognize about 60% of the people on the, on the first couple of rows, for sure. They're so just in do, do they travel? Do people, I'm sure they do. They travel and follow you around? Yeah, I mean, there is one fan in particular just called simply the waps and he, i think he's been to about i can't quote him exactly but it's it's 60 something shows he's been to since he's known us wow that is a lot that I mean, is a lot 
Yeah, people say, "Wow, I've been to seventy-five Grateful Dead shows," but they've been—they were around for decades. So, wow, yeah. that's pretty yeah. good. Sixty. <laughs> yeah. I hope he keeps his job and everything. God, he does. He does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I do. I do sort him out. Like that. Been an, I mean, once you get past forty shows. You know, just just hit me up and and I'll put you on a guest list at yeah. times. Well, yeah, forty. You know okay, I mean? that's that's the secret number. All right. Yeah, round about. <laughs> you know, I'll make a loyalty card, a Luke loyalty card. Once you get past forty or fifty gigs, then you get know, a little you, stamp. Yeah, you get on my guest list. <laughs> that's so great. So, also, how did you get a hold? Like, I mean, did you know Joe Elliott and Phil Collin, or uh, how did that one come about? Because that's so cute, the way you open the song with him on the phone and his big pipes and everything. It's very cute. Uh, I, I've known Joe, especially, for quite a few years. I mean, I know him and Phil have been massive supporters, but Joe, mainly out of the two of them, has been a lot more vocal about it, for sure. Um, saying all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it's been very lovely. And we've just been in contact via email for, for a few years. And before even Strange Days was muttered or the 10 days were decided upon, I had reached out to Phil um, just to kind of get some ideas. Because I, I, I wanted to, I was just experimenting with lots of different people. And, and yeah, he, he sent me through like an idea, which didn't come to fruition, but it strikes more and more conversation and then strange days sessions were booked and and i again once again i just sort of said hey we're about to go in would you like to be on something if we can provide and they were like absolutely for sure fantastic fantastic i met him you know he's also a huge sparks fan oh really yeah oh, oh yeah I, I met him at a sparks show backstage and we had a little flirty flirt and he gave me his number and and i waited too long to call <laughs> so if you see him again tell him pamela de bar says hi okay i will, I will. okay and i was thrilled that he also loved sparks now he loves my two favorite bands that is so cool i love sparks okay yeah i've been seeing them for almost 50 years too <laughs> i know it's really quite shocking that i'm still here um okay well let's let's hear that song i hate how much i want you that fantastic so i've you know what i've noticed on this record there's a lot of songs about heartbreak and people chewing your heart up and spinning oh. it out uh <laughs> is that based on reality yeah the, i mean this lyric <laughs> the lyric 
the lyrics on the entire record are probably the most autobiographical and from the heart than what I've kind of produced in the past for sure. And I don't know why, I don't know why I just, I mean, sort of towards the end of 2019, I just, I, I just sort of found, I just felt very compelled to start um, digging things out of personal experience and just see if that sort of like connected um, better than sort of writing through characters all the time, which is what I used to do for the majority of songs. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, I definitely went through some, uh, some heartbreak in the city of angels towards beginning of the year which definitely found its way on on the record and, and continues tell. to do continues to do throughout my work uh, <laughs> well it's very sincere that's why i wanted to ask but you've obviously had some tortuous heartache and that's it, so beautifully put and and also amusingly put in a couple yeah, of them which you, you, you keep your sense of humor which i love even though i could tell it was some painful shit going on yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you can't smile about it, then it's... Sometimes it's hard, man. My worst heartbreak, I could not smile about it for a while. I just, you know, and it, 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 it's stunning sometimes that yeah. how, how it hurts. And you go, what is that? Get out. It's like some kind of beast inside you. It's a horrible feeling. Mm, and you expressed mm. it really well and amusingly as well. I love talking to you. You're a fun guy. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Oh. Um, okay. What have you like been listening to during the, uh, the pandemic? Have you had any kind of music that has uplifted you or gotten you through it besides your own? Well, I got absolutely sick of my music. I, I tend to get really <laughs> bored of it very quickly. As soon as, soon as it's mastered, then that's it. I just, it's ready. I'm move, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. But no, I've been I've been listening to um I've just been listening to a lot of really intimate stuff. Uh, and um I've been really inspired to create more and more like lyrically driven stuff. And it's made me sort of like go back and listen to like French Chazon's kind of like style of music. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, just just where the lyric kind of like really drives in. It's not amazingly musical, but it's, mm -hmm. it's emotionally driven. And um, so I've been listening to, yeah, a shed load of that. Loads of stuff. Like Serge Gainsborough? Or, I mean... Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> and um, obviously, like, Edith Piaf. Yes, um, oh, gosh. Just really, you know, like, I, I really like diving into these absolute rabbit holes musically and just sort of, like, listening to it, the good stuff and the terrible, and kind of um, <laughs> hoping... I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm always looking to learn something new and sort of like be inspired by something in a different way. So yeah, I've just been listening to that. And then obviously a bit of 
bit of Bruce Springsteen just to kind of whoa, get me up in the morning. Oh, I love Bruce. Badlands. Bad, I, I, li- I, li- oh. I literally, <laughs> whatever happens in, in life, oh, I, I literally love- put that song on and I'm like, I'm I ready. I love hearing that. I have songs like that, that, you know, I put on and, and everything's okay, at least for a, a little while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Badlands. Oh. When, as soon as he gets to the sax solo, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to <laughs> take anything on. I bet Bruce would love to hear that. Yeah. He's I, still at it. Isn't that so cool? They just keep going. Some of these people. They he's just got a new go. album out today, actually. What? He's got a new album out today. I know. I know. I know. I'm so excited. And his TV show is his, his um, special. Is it Netflix? Wow. I haven't seen a special yet. Yeah, just just out, just this week. Oh, really? Based on that record, and it's it's the it's the uh, recording of that record of the oh, new record. Cool, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. They, yeah they do it in like somewhere in the middle of buckfuck nowhere or something. Yes, like, and the whole East Street band, and it's a yeah. It looks like it's going to be so cool. I'm very excited about it. I love that you love Bruce. Oh and, yeah, and I, eat I, pee off. <laughs> I only got into Bruce about i came late on the bruce train well my first trip to new york i toured hamlet uh with a drama company when i was 19 and we came to new york and we performed hamlet in these schools in brooklyn and and uh you know some really kind of vibey places and um the kids loved it it was really fun and i went into the virgin megastores in uh times square which was fucking massive i'd never seen anything like it in my life yeah. <laughs> and i back then i i was so intuitive just with kind of the covers and the artwork i used to just pick cds and records out purely based on what i could see and be like oh this looks interesting mm-hmm. and, uh, so important and now we can't do that hardly no, and I got, I purchased Born to Run and oh. the uh, the greatest hits. So I was, I, I knew Born to Run album and I was like obsessed with it because I was also a massive Meatloaf fan. Really? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Jim Simon. Absolutely. <laughs> like obsessed. I'm actually, every now and then I'll be sort of, you know, maybe messaging a, a certain lady friend and you know we've been talking for a while and i'll be like look i haven't been completely honest and they're like why what's up and i'm like oh, no. um, and they're like and i'm like i'm obsessed with jim steinman and they're like you fucker that is but funny i have a friend who dated him really it was an iffy experience yes it was an iffy experience there <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I'll listen to the music, but I wouldn't want to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, <sighs> where were we? We were talking about something. <laughs> oh, we were talking about, about Bruce and um... oh, yes, Bruce. Um, so, so you got into those two albums right at that time when you were nineteen, and, and yeah, you, you loved him ever since. I did, but I kind of. Um... I loved I loved that album in particular, but I, I was just so caught up in so many other kind of groups at the time. And I kind of just always went back to it. But my tour manager is an absolute fanatic about Bruce. He's seen him like six times and 
knows every single word on every single album on every single live album and <laughs> you could put on like we were in japan and we we always listen to music before we go on and we put born in the usa on and he was in japan so he hadn't smoked weed in about four days so he was going a bit loopy <laughs> and he he sings the entire born in the usa like at the top of his lungs with the absolute sincerity of like bruce himself and uh, yeah, he just kind of got into it. So he showed me like the river and uh, Badlands. Yeah. And oh did, my God. And I was like, oh, wow. Like there's so much more to there's this. There's so that, much. Yeah. So much so Bruce. I'm fully, I'm fully into him now. Just like so much Dylan. You know, if, if someone says to me, you know, I am yeah, not, I don't like Springsteen or I don't like Dylan. I just don't even want to know that person. Yeah. There's like, something I'm, in that person that, I just don't want to get near, you know, I don't know. There's certain bands. I just won't trust people if they don't like them. Yes. Same, same. Like like if you don't like, I I don't know if I can trust someone who doesn't like the stones or queen. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, or or the Beatles. If someone says I don't like the Beatles, it's like, (laughs) what, what, what planet are you from? True. What rock have you been living under? Now, speaking of planets, Yes. I, I hear when you were talking to Robbie, you guys discussed UFOs. Now, is that something you're interested in? Believe that we're not alone or what? I, I, I mean, when uh, I've always been interested in it and there was definitely a phase, well, not a phase, but a chapter in my life when uh, the band didn't really have a lot to do, coincidentally, and we were living in a house and smoking a lot of weed and had too much time on our hands. And I used to just watch copious amounts of documentaries and um, including like David Icke. And I watched oh like- boy, two, he's two out there. He, I mean, he's out there. And he's I'm way, I, way out there. I ended up meeting him. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So we, me and Adam, his son is from Derby. And David's from Leicester, which is literally 20 minutes south of Derby. So, huh. so he actually had this like, oh, what was it called? It was called the People's, it was called the People's Station or TV show. And they, they were running this profit-free station, which was broadcasting uncensored content. And it was a really cool idea. And of course, me and Adam were like, well up for it. And we made one of our first television performances on that show. And David was there and his son was there, Gareth. And um, yeah, like, you know, we shook his hand and everything. And he was what busy. He was watching the football at the time. But what, um, what did he convince you of? I mean, I and mean, I tell you what, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer of. So, for instance, I, I was brought up in a in a christian household yes i know so i i had i was kind of given a lot of knowledge from this side of the fence and then what i found extremely interesting was a complete counter argument to that so you know i i had about 20 years of this mm-hmm. sort of like what i grew up and knew and i just found it incredibly fascinating to kind of get someone else's perspective or the other side of the coin mm-hmm. and the truth is I'm not quite sure if anyone will know, just like 
nobody quite knows what happens when we die because no one's really come back. <laughs> it's like a detailed insight apart from maybe a bit of DMT running through their brain. So it's, uh, I'm smart enough to know that I don't know anything, if that makes any sense. Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. I often wake up and say that to myself. I don't know a fucking thing today. No, and it's kind of but, freeing in a way. It is. And, but, you know, <laughs> I, I do like to think that there is, there's more to the physical realm. Absolutely. Oh, I refuse. My, yes. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are things that I've experienced on stage that just kind of boggle the mind and, and sort of uh, could come, definitely come close to kind of spiritual and, um, yes, I'm sure it's transcendent both. at times. It's yeah. connection with the other humans and your mm. true self, of course. All great art to me, you know, is the connection between souls. And, you know, like, for instance, if I stand in front of a Van Gogh painting or whatever, I, I recognize him and I mm. am touched and moved by it. And it's the same with music. My God, when you're up there communing with all those people, my God, tell me, what does it feel like, that, that thing you're describing? Well, it, sometimes it's like, um, it feels like I'm running uphill. And um, it's really weird. I have this thing inside me and I might mellow out. Now I'm a little bit, little bit more mature. But <laughs> I, 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 I've always had this thing that, I always needed to go 110%. So it's kind of like, I like to run as well, like long distance. And it, the only thing I can kind of describe it as is that it feels great to be running and whatnot. And then every time I feel like I'm not putting enough energy into it, this little thing goes off in my head and I start to push and push even more and more wow. and more. So I barely relax. It's kind of like a, I go into this autopilot mode and, and honestly, I don't really remember a whole lot of any show apart from when we run on and mm. maybe the last two or three songs, once I'm kind of like warm and I sit down at the piano and do something on my own. But other than that, it's like, go, 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 go. So I wouldn't be, a, there have been moments where I've kind of had to sit back and maybe towards the end when we're doing the final crescendo and everyone stood up like, whoa. Oh, oh. If you take it in. Must feel amazing. He is great, yeah. All that love coming at you and appreciation for what you do. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice. It's <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Back to UFOs though. I saw one when I was a kid. And there there's a brand new documentary right now called uh Oh God, I just saw it. Anyway, it's a documentary just came out on uh UFOs with you know, people who've seen them through the years since the 40s. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw one in the 50s when I was a kid in a, in a bus. I, I was in the back of the bus as usual. And I, I just felt compelled to turn around and look behind me. And right behind me, nestled in the mountain behind me, was a yellow sphere. And I, oh. I, I said to my friends, what's that? So I actually did see one. And I have friends who have been taken up, so I totally believe that we're not alone. And wow. nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that there aren't other worlds. Anyway, you know, I was very, I'm a born, I was born again as a kid and all that too. So we have that in common. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Enoch was taken up for how many years? Yes. No, exactly. but who, who took him and where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's been going on forever. We've never been alone, I don't think. Okay, now one of my favorite songs on the last album, you, you would not believe my array of questions. Of course, we're never oh, going to yeah. get to them all. Um, one of my favorite lines in in your song is don't i don't want to live my life as an unsung melody now that is so profound to me and says everything that everybody should aspire to um how did where did that come from that whole lyric i don't mean to burst the bubble here but i really <laughs> don't remember i really <laughs> you don't remember I don't remember. It might, it might not have even been me that suggested that. Um, we were, I mean, where credit's due, both Kiss This and Could Have Been Me yeah. were written in, um, in a parent's basement studio. Huh. Uh, a production company called Red Triangle, who we're still fantastic friends with now. And um, I think Could Have Been Me was one of the one of the really early ideas that we did and George who is one half of the production team is also like a great kind of visionary producer along with Rick as well who's the second half um but George is really good lyricist and we I remember it probably went like this because I was um when I was about when would this been maybe 22 when that song was done, 23, hmm. Hmm. extremely bitter at the time, extremely frustrated. You know, I, I was kind of, and very naive. I, I, I would sort of get to the studio and moan and moan because by the time we were doing Could Have Been Me, we'd already had like a 10 track album, which I thought was the absolute dog's bollocks. And I thought it was incredible. And, <laughs> and uh, we'd, we'd been told that it wasn't good enough. And we'd have been oh. told that, we, it was too pastiche and all this kind of stuff. So I remember getting to the studio and just these two producers so ready to work, like, hey, you know, hi, guys. I'm just sat there like, yeah, fuck you. Like, oh. and they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, you know, we don't need to be here. And, um, you know, like, I'm just so fed up with people telling me i got to do this and i got to do that. And I remember just doing this, waffling and waffling and waffling. And I think that inspired the entire song. We were just so fed up and frustrated at the powers that be sort of really trying to sort of like determine where we were going to be going. And Could Have Been Me was a direct response to that. So, but it was so long ago. It was, I think it was like seven years ago. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorites. So I would like to hear it. Don't want to live as an untold story Rather go out in a blaze of glory I can't hear you I don't fear you I live now cause the bad die last Dodging bullets with your broken past
Could have been me. Could have been me. <laughs> but now it is you, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not could have anymore. Yay. No. <laughs> That's a really inspiring song. I just love it. Thank you. Um, one of your quotes to me, which, you know, I reread my article with you guys. Please kill me. Uh, and one of the things you said was when you combine religion and faith with music, it's not an act. I'm sure you don't remember saying that, but you said that wow. to me. How high was I then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you were bringing your, your past into your future. Wow, just, we, must, we must have had a deep conversation. We, <laughs> we did, you don't remember? I mean, say it again, say it again. I'll try and I'll try and go through. What was it? What was the quote? When you combine religion and faith with music, it's not an act. Which oh, that's true. I must I must have been talking about my dad. Possibly. We were talking about your, you know, being brought up in the church and listening to the singers and how real it was and how passionate. Yes, was. yes. I remember it now. I remember from that. Yeah. I think. I think you were asking me about like, um, no, I was, I was telling you about how I was taught the art of uh, meaning it and sincerity yes. when performing yes. and seeing that. And be, you, like I said, when you, when you grow up watching church bands play and stuff, they're not playing for vanity. I mean, you might get the odd flute player who just wants to show off, and, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> for the most yeah. part, they're, you know, they're there sort of like, you know, doing something which is completely selfless to an extent. Yes, yes and, very much so. And with that, I think comes pure sincerity and, and, and a quality that is so genuine, which can be so alien from popular music in all its aspects. So Yes. Yeah. Like BTS and, you know, what, what <laughs> do you think of that, of the, that phenomenon? Do you think anything of it? I don't think a lot of it. I mean, <laughs> all I know is I, I, I really embarrassed myself at the, um, it was the EMAs and BTS had really exploded. And I, I didn't quite know the name. And we, were, we had our seats and um, there was some confusion. Basically, we had to move out of our seats to let in BTS and all 26 members or something. And um, they were like, what's wrong? And I was like, BLT has just stolen all of our seats. And they're like, who the hell is BLT? I'm like, I don't fucking know. B BLT, B BSS, whatever they're called, I don't know. And uh, I think someone who worked with them on the label like heard me say that. Oh, oh, no. oh. oh. Well, they but, are huge, as you know. But, you know, they're groomed. It's kind of the antithesis to me of rock and roll, the grooming of bands, which started yeah. way back with, you know, with, you know, Simon Cowell. Yeah, it's, I mean, or even but, the monkeys, for God's sake. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a proven formula. I mean, yes. I mean, where, where credit's due, I mean, with that many members, you're going to have something for everyone. So <laughs> yeah. when it comes to a young teen audience, 
it's it's kind of like a proven formula you know get get eight people in the band and you're going to have someone for the one who likes the sporty guy the one yes who likes exactly the and it's all but it's all planned out it's yeah yeah but i'm just I mean, lucky having been a teenager when i was went from yeah. elvis to dion to the beatles the beach boys the stones the doors the birds all that i'm just lucky and I really You're shouldn't talking. make comparisons. Sorry, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so during this incredibly difficult time with the pandemic, how are you staying in touch like with your band and people you love and all that? Or are you pretty much sequestered? I love that word. Um, well, we are. We, the band tends to do like a, a funny little like weekly cool catch up where we kind of just fill each other in on what's happening any news that we may have heard or what's going on in our personal lives and in terms of catching up with friends uh, I, i've done a bit of that since coming back um, mm -hmm. and i'm of course i'm with my family now which is nice and i'm making the most of that but i i, I mean social media is kind of really saving everyone <clears throat> in that aspect. I, yes. I know it's incredibly destructive in other ways, but it's nice to have a lot of yes, people at your fingertips, you know? Yeah, well, your fans, that's how you stay in touch with them, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And that's so important right now because you're usually touring. So it must be so exciting though to have a, a brand new, fresh record to put out for your fans who love you so much. It is. And the, and the thing is, is that we wrote it for them. So I hope they bloody enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I do. I'm a big fan. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> what else might I ask you in these pages and pages of stuff? Oh, yes. Now you, you have motorcycles too, right? Do you have Got motorcycles? One. one. Yeah. Is yeah. it Harley? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in la i assume still yeah she's in la uh harley davidson actually gave the bike to me which was really lovely and yeah they got me they were like have anything you want and i was like okay, okay. i want a, i want a soft tail deluxe i want the new one i want the 2020 oh. one. Wow. so i've got this beautiful um it's i think the color is pearl washed pearl it's kind of like a it's like an ivory kind of color and it has like i i mean yeah i went i went balls to the wall with it <laughs> I've got like ape hangers covered in chrome custom exhaust custom spokes and you know wheels and whatnot and yeah it's it's a beautiful beautiful bike so that's a dream machine it is. She. It's. It's great. Helmet. Love the way you call it. She. Wow. It's all. It became a woman to you. Absolutely. You know, ends up in between my legs. Of yes. Course. Yes. I was hoping you'd say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you straddle it. Yes. Um, well, it was. They sponsored your last tour, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. 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 Which, which that was, was the a last good sponsor. It was good. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been really nice to us and um, they, they provided all the training before I got the bike itself, which was a hoot. And, um, I hope you filmed it, some of it, some of the training. Yeah, I think it's all out there. It's, oh, it's up there oh is it? Oh, good. I'll have to look that up. 
Yeah, it's so cringe. When I look at it now, I look, I look so funny on the bike. I'm just like, I'm not in. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't able. And um, I'm just here, just like stiff as a pancake, <laughs> like in a parking lot, like. Eeeh. But I'm no, I've I've done, I've done just over like a thousand miles since I got it a few months back. So I've been giving it a good whirl. In fact, a few days after we recorded Strange Days, I just needed to get out. And I actually took the bike to Joshua Tree oh. and I drove from LA to Joshua Tree and I took the really long way around. I didn't go on the freeway. I went That's on the a beautiful road. ride. Oh. And it was so lovely. And <clears throat> I almost had like, um, like a religious experience. I'm not even joking. There was, there's a stretch of road about an hour before you get to Joshua Tree, which is just completely desert and beautiful uh, with a beautiful horizon. It was about five or six o'clock in the evening and the sun was kind of going down. It was completely golden hour. Mm. And there was no one else on this road because it was the first few weeks of lockdown. Right. So it was just magical. And I was listening to music in my earphones, just riding along. I was like, this is what life is. It doesn't get any better. Yeah. Right. Oh, I love that stretch out there. I love driving to Joshua Tree. You know, have that connection with Graham Parsons there. Mm. It's no, it's great. I advise anyone to do it, but it really cleared my head and it was a really nice way to excel. Yeah. I wonder when you'll be able to get back to LA and ride your bike. Maybe <laughs> maybe January, February, I think. Yeah, you think that soon? Boy, I hope so. So I've I've heard that you also have another enough songs for another album. Is that true or? Yes. Yeah, so yes. Before, before wow. We were working on Strange Days. Um, me and Adam were both working on uh, a collection of material that was through November, December, and January, which was kind of just put to one side, and it became very quickly apparent that once we'd written these 10 songs, it, it just didn't make sense to sort of put anything else into that equation. It just had to be in its, its own entity. But yeah, we do have like some really great stuff, which is just kind of sitting there at the moment. So it's kind of ready to go, which is exciting. Oh, good, good. So that's all ready. Yay. Well, our, our yeah, hour that- is actually... Up. I don't want to take too much of your time. Thank you so much for giving a, a, a little gab fest. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and I would like to <clears throat> end on a song, whichever one you choose off the new album. Oh, I think I'd like to end with, am I talking to the champagne or talking <laughs> to you? You did mention the lyric. Which yes, you yes. But yeah, I, I love it. I think it's an absolute jam and, and a real place that musically we haven't gone yet. So um, I think all the listeners will appreciate it as well. And there's a mean saxophone on it as well. Which and is isn't good. there, <clears throat> didn't you, is someone else on there with you? Oh no, you know what I love? I love another hit of showmanship. We may have to, oh, yeah, two. we have to may go out with two songs. <laughs> okay, we'll do it back to back. Oh, do yes. another hit <laughs> another hit of showmanship and then... Um, Albert Hammond Jr. is on that, yes? 
Yeah, Albert Hammond Jr. on another hit of showmanship. Yes. And then, um, am I talking to the champagne? That Yeah, they're good back-to-back -back tracks for sure. Okay, good. Well, we're going to hear those. And thank you, Luke Spiller, my thank favorite. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mwah. Wasn't that fun? How about listening to this kid? Oh, I shouldn't call him a kid, please. He probably wouldn't like that. He is a little over 30, I believe. Uh, they've been together for a long, you know, over 10 years. I couldn't believe that. And they're finally actually making a big fat dent like they should have made early on. <clears throat> Sorry, you guys. I have a frog in my throat. Now, where did that come from? Do frogs make a noise like that? I don't think so. But anyway, here I am. I can be reached on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow me all over the place. Google me. You'll see all kinds of stuff that you... Anyway, I am all over the place. And you have listened to Pamela Debar's Pajama Party. And I am a member of the Pantheon Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcasts. And we have over 50 podcasts you can listen to. So really, you know, you don't have to do anything else except listen to our podcast. I hope you're all doing okay. I'm sending lots of love out to you. I love music. I love myself. I love you guys. So please come back and listen to me. I've got a whole bunch of podcasts now, so please check them all out. And if you really want to have a little fun, go to AdamEve.com and get yourself a little toy. Okay, dolls, next time. Bye. Listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. 
find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Pantheon Podcasts. Rock and Roll Archaeology on Instagram and Pantheon Pods on Twitter. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.